you, and when I defang the viper, trust me, ain't gonna come from nowhere. Jeff, I already put you out. I don't even know why you're out here right now. Keep on talking. Hey, 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 do me a favor. Why don't you act like this is an AA meeting and you shut your mouth while I'm sharing with the group? And Mustafa, you out here, a boy of one man. And I'm gonna tell you what. You got lucky at the Rumble, so I know you're gonna come out here and run your mouth about how bad you are. But let me give you a little bit of a reality check. You see, Mustafa, you said that my eyes don't lie. Well, your eyes don't lie either, because last week, they were closed real tight when I put your simple ass to sleep. And AJ, hey man, be honest with me. How's our old girl Wendy doing? Alright, welcome to the Clark Street Wrestling Podcast. I am Hafiz, and with me as always is Devin. Uh, we were just talking about uh, some some news that broke today right before we started recording, so we're going to start off with that. This is going to be the Raw uh, recap episode, and then we'll also be doing SmackDown and NXT a little bit later, but we're going to kick things off with Raw, and just uh, we're going to actually do some news and notes uh, section yeah. here before we get into straight the to business. Show. Yeah, let's just get straight to it. So <laughs> there was an announcement that was made today about the commentary team. So with with uh, SmackDown going to Fox, uh, things are changing a little bit between. Well, I guess that's putting it lightly uh, for yeah. Raw and SmackDown uh, all across the board, but specifically with commentary, um, there was some there was some uh, the, the roster or the the people that will be calling the matches for us were announced for both shows. Essentially, what's happened? I mean, NXT is going to stay the same. Uh, there's yep. no difference there. So, Mauro, yeah, they're perfect. Mauro Ronaldo, Beth Phoenix, Nigel McGuinness, mm-hmm. awesome. They've been doing a great job, and you know, no reason to change that. It would just be dumb to do that. So, happy that they kept that team together. For SmackDown moving to Fox, they basically moved the Raw commentary team to SmackDown. So we have uh, Michael Cole, we got Corey Graves, and we got Renee Young all moving over to SmackDown. Which, I mean, that that's a that's a Big change um, to see all of them there. Now, granted, Corey Graves has already been on SmackDown commentary, so nothing really changes there. Right. But Michael Cole has been on Raw for a long time. I don't have yeah. the, the years or how long it's been, but it's been a very long time since he took over, basically, as the voice of WWE for JR, essentially. Yeah. I feel like he started on SmackDown, though. He started, which, you know, a lot of times that the, the, we've seen that trend happen where it'll be a switch between, you know, um, the SmackDown commentator to the Raw commentary uh, spot. So in this case, yeah, Michael Cole uh, took over JR, and now he's going to SmackDown, which is interesting. So the question is, okay, well, what's the Raw commentary team look like, right? Like, are they going to use Todd Phillips? Are they going to move Byron Saxon there? Is is Corey Graves going to be there? Was it just a clean swap? No. In fact, they have an entirely different team, which some of it good, some of it meh. And some of it, like, what the F is, is yes. basically what my reaction is. So yeah. um, the first guy, was like, oh, my God, I I said I'm ready to record, basically. When told me <laughs> what had happened, I'm like, all right, this, this, I'm ready to go. I'm charged up yeah. by, by this news. So um, so for Raw, the, um, the, the main voice for Raw now will be Vic Joseph, which for those who don't know Vic Joseph, uh, he is the voice of NXT UK, I believe. Yep. Um, so right. and he had actually a guest spot on Raw with Michael Cole a couple weeks, maybe about a month ago now. Yep. And he sounded and he did 205 Live as well. And 205 Live. Correct. Yep. Correct. Thank you for that. Um, and he he sounded great uh, during his time on Raw. He had one episode where I think it was Michael 
No, not Michael Cole. It was uh, someone else had gotten taken or left the conversation. Jerry the King Lawler. That's who it was. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. So, yeah. so he Jerry the King Lawler got taken out because the Fiend, right? That was the one where the Fiend right. came out. Yeah. And so Vic Joseph came, joined the team, and sounded amazing. That must have been his tryout, you know, just to see how he would sound for Raw. Yeah. And he sounded amazing on that on that episode. So he commanded that show. He did. He did. He was, he was, I said it. I said he was saying all of, uh, Michael Cole's lines. And, you know, I'm like, Michael, what is Michael Cole probably thinking right now? Right. Like he's, he's yeah. he trying to take over, but it was, it was all planned basically that this was kind of just probably him just them testing him out to see how it would sound and letting him call it a little bit just to get comfortable with it. And yeah, yeah it just took that well one. deserved for Vic Joseph. He, well he definitely earned it. Uh, I'm glad he had the opportunity to show what he have because he's great on NXT UK and 205 Live. So big uh, congrats to him. But I just think it was a complete missed opportunity for uh, Tom Phillips. Yeah, Tom you know why? Too. Why Michael Cole? He to, to me he does he he should be he doesn't need to be there. He can move on to. To more behind the scenes because that's he he has some behind the scenes roles we know this already interesting so you're and, thinking todd phillips should have stayed on smackdown and and called that with Corey graves and renee yeah because he already has like a good chemistry with Corey graves natural they're friends uh you know and to me michael cole just sounds like hot air hot air sometimes like oh could it be <laughs> oh it's boss time it's boss time that one is the best oh, yeah. like Oh man, it's ready! For, are you ready for a raid? Oh, the Viking man. Raiders, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Just for example, yeah. for that, just like hot air, just some fluff. I don't, I don't want. It, it gets annoying a lot, and he does that. Even Corey Graves got on. Like I'm like I'm surprised, uh, Cole. You're not saying it's boss time. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> well, this last one he took he took the reins on that one. He's like, let me do this one this one time, Michael. And then he's the one that said it's boss time. So yeah. you know, it was yeah, it was a nice little change of pace there. Yeah, yeah. So that's why that's why I feel like it was a it was a perfect opportunity, uh, but completely missed. Like Michael Cole could have moved on to more of an operational role. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. That's a good point there. I mean, for Todd Phillips, I feel like so what we just talked about with Michael Cole having taken over for Jr. when he was on SmackDown, maybe they could have moved Todd Phillips to Raw and then have Vic Joseph go to SmackDown and kind of have that be the thing. But I guess for Fox, you know, they want the established teams to be and the established wrestlers to be all on their show. So, you know, their their WWE and Vince is basically just acquiescing to whatever Fox wants. And they probably wanted Cole or Vince is thinking, hey, you know, uh, Michael Cole is the the most established uh, commentator that we have. So, you know, with this new deal with Fox, let's not mess around and let's just have somebody that, you know, we know is uh, when I'm in his ear, he's going to do everything I'm saying and he's going to call it the way I want it. So, you know, that that probably has something to do with it, too, honestly. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, Michael Cole's commentary at times, you know, it just gets mind numbing and you it just does. get upset about like how he, like with Alistair Black, you know, how that first one went when it just sounded so corny when he, he called, you know, introduced him, um, yeah. you know, so I, I, I'm with you there. And I, I think Todd Phillips will be interesting what Todd Phillips does now, because yeah, Vic Joseph taking the raw spot and him completely getting, you know, knocked out of. All commentary altogether is just kind of strange, but I don't hey, know. Real quick, are you saying Tom or Todd? Isn't it Todd Phillips? 
No, it's Tom Phillips. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like, why you keep on saying Todd? I'm saying Tom. <laughs> but I'm looking at it now. It says Tom, Tom Phillips. I, I, you, it reminds me of Chris Jericho. He kept on messing up his name. Well, he's Todd now for me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh man. No, you're uh, right. It, it, yeah, Todd, Todd, I keep saying Todd. Tom Phillips. Todd Phillips is somebody completely different. That is pretty funny. Yeah. I pull that up, and I'm like, Todd? No, it's not Todd. It's Tom. Okay. All right, cool. So Tom Phillips. My apologies, Tom. My apologies. I guess this is why he didn't get the spot, because no one knows his first name. So that's totally fine. But, no, he's a he's a talented guy. You know, I enjoy, his, you know, hearing his commentary. I think he's a solid commentator. And it would have been cool for him to be able to stick around. But uh, Tom Phillips is just, uh, I don't know. He's just kind of the the guy left out of this whole this whole mix. But beyond that, let's uh, let's let's keep breaking down this commentary team because these are yeah. scratching things here. Mm-hmm. So we've got Jerry the King Lawler returning to commentary and being on the Raw crew, which I've talked about Jerry the King Lawler uh, a couple of times recently. Uh, he made his return and did it was going to do an interview with Sasha Banks. And he had the whole segment with The Fiend, which I thought was, you know, he just made it corny. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it. I, I wasn't a fan of it. And so his commentary, I I think, is outdated for this era, honestly. Um, he's going to have to change a lot, you know, for it to, to work. And, he, you know, he, he's been a guest commentator every once in a while. And it's not quite as crude as it was back in the day whenever he does it. But he'll always try to throw in these jokes you know, every once in a while. And sometimes it's funny, but most times to me, it's not. And I don't know. I just, I feel like, yeah, I I just think he's just too corny for this era right now, to be honest with you. So that, that was like, oh, come on, man. Like Jerry, the King Lawler, you could have, you could have gotten, you know, somebody else, anybody else uh, to, to be in that spot. But when we talked about this, like how I, how I just, chose you know tom phillips over michael cole you had somebody else in mind too and i totally agree with you well so the person that I, one person that we talked about was byron saxton saxton is not there you know he's not a part of this at all but another person we talked about too is aiden english you know yeah. for like that heel commentator or you know person like aiden english the last time we saw him on smackdown you know he and rusev had issues with the whole lana situation and so, you know, being that heel voice, I feel like Aiden English could have fit that perfectly uh, on Raw. I think that would have been awesome. Yep. Uh, he's got a great voice. He does a great job, you know, with uh, both NXT UK. And I think he did some stuff on 205 Live. Or he's, is he still a part of 205 like, Yeah, he does 205 Live. 205 Live. There we go. Yeah. So, you know, his his voice and just his commentary uh, is great. Side note, I actually met um, uh, Aiden English not too long ago. Really? Uh, kind of, yeah, just randomly um, at work, you know, he, he showed up, you know, and uh, yeah, I met him. Uh, he just came in, just getting some stuff. And I just helped him <laughs> out. So that was, that was kind of interesting. So yeah, just a random occurrence um, seeing Aiden English and his voice yeah, man, right away. First class service. Dude. Yep. Yep. And he, <laughs> he was just a great overall dude. And I told him, man, like just keep doing great work. And it was pretty cool. And he appreciated that. And yeah, that man, that voice is as awesome and is 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 uh full i don't know i don't know how to describe it but he just has such a profound voice and it sounds the same in person as it does when you hear him on television so 
yeah, man, just, just shout out to, to Aiden English uh, just just for a quick second there. But, um, yeah, I feel like he should have been a part of this crew. Absolutely. Yeah. And the last guy, um, a part of this crew, which both of us, you know, were like, who is this guy? Is Dio Madden. Yeah, you're not the only one, listeners, if you don't know who that <laughs> is. Dio Madden. Now, uh-huh. you looked it up and you said he's a part of the 205 Live uh, uh, commentary crew now as well? Yeah, yeah, with Aiden English and Big Joseph at the time before he got absorbed under NXT. Okay, so I I guess this is bizarre to me because, again, now there's another guy that gets left out in this whole shuffle, which is Byron Saxton. Like, (laughs) for for Raw, which has been the flagship show forever, to go from Corey Graves – and Renee Young, and even Michael Cole, to this crew overall. I mean, we said Vic Joseph, he's great. Jerry the King Lawler is a known name. Kind of think he's out of touch. And now you put in this unknown guy, Dio Madden, which, I mean, I have not watched 205 Live for a minute now. I'm being honest. Here. Not I have lick. Yes. It's just been, you know, not not really on my, on my radar, really. It's something that I feel like I have to watch. So... Now, you bring in this guy, Dio Madden. Raw is going to have a completely different feel to the point where I'm like, man, it, it's clearly the B show from, from the way it's going to yes. sound, unfortunately. Yes. Um, it has the potential to be like, it could be like that internet, you know, you know, this is where all the hardcore fans are going to start watching now. On Monday, it has the potential to be that. You know, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and possibly rusev we'll see man yeah we'll see i mean it's it we'll see is probably the best way to put it because (laughs) i have no idea man i I can't even even give my opinion on dio madden because i don't know him uh vic joseph i know and i feel like vic joseph is gonna sound great but you know then you mix that with jerry the king lawler and i'm kind of like what are we doing like what are we really going for here because one step forward, two steps back, man, for real. Yeah, there's just such a contrast between all these guys. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, again, if you would have had Aiden English, Byron Saxton, and Vic Joseph there, I'd be like, wow, okay, this is this is a nice little commentary team. <laughs> man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm tuning in. I'm going, right, right. You know, but I can't I'm even. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's a nice little change to put those guys on there. And, and with Vic Joseph, like, all right. But Dio Madden and Jerry King Lawler, like, I, I don't know what we're going for there. I really don't. Like I said, man, missed opportunity on, on both sides. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, that that's pretty much all I'm going to say, you know, on that. And, you know, unless you had any last thoughts on that, we can we can move forward. No, nah, man, we can move forward like you just said. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> all right. So now on to the Raw recap. Very interesting show. Very interesting episode of Monday Night Raw here. Yeah. Um, the Fiend was a big part of the show. Again, uh, we had the very, very beginning. Yeah, from the very beginning, we had we had him just show up and just kind of you know make his presence felt. Uh, we had a five way elimination matchup to figure out who is going to be the number one contender for the yeah. Universal Championship on the season premiere of Raw, which was kind of news to me that they were going to call that one the season premiere. But that's cool. I kind of like that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. It's just kind of a nice touch. So I Making like it feel that. special. Yep. Yep. 
And uh, so let's let's get right into it. Let's talk about uh, what it what it transpired on this on this episode of Raw. So um, l- I guess how do you want to go about this? Do you want to just start just in terms of breaking down what the Fiend did because you know that that's kind of the major part. And I'm kind of most excited to just talk about like his presence and everything that went down. Yeah, man. Let's start with the most you know exciting, important. So why not the Fiend? Okay. Well, so we had Seth Rollins come out and talk about his experience with The Fiend from last week on Raw. And, you know, he confirmed, which, again, when we talked about this last week, like, I hadn't caught the details of him, like, say, closing his eyes and, like, scurrying into the corner. But then in the recap, uh, they showed it, and you got to see a little bit more clear. And then Seth Rollins actually acknowledged it, that, yeah, you know, when it was all happening, there was this basically living embodiment of a nightmare that was in my face, and I had nothing I, – all I could think to do was just, like, close my eyes and hope for it to be over. And I was like, wow, okay. Like, he's he's acknowledging it. It wasn't just something that kind of happened and they were going to go a different way. Like, they actually had him go out and say, yeah, I, I was I was scared, basically. Yeah. You know, so I, I like that. I like that they did that for him. It kind of humanized the set a little bit more, so that was cool, which was something you talked about last week. Um, so, you know, he was talking about The Fiend and saying, yeah, he's going to – you know, just, he's trying to he's going to have to prepare and prevail and survive, you know, this interaction with the Fiend, just like he did with Brock Lesnar, just like he did with Braun Strowman. Now, mentioning Braun Strowman's name, I guess, pissed off the monster among men because Braun Strowman's music hit and he came down. And he said, look, Seth, if you have anything to say to me, you can say it to my face. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, some, you know, dress up as Dodgers, you know, and like then walk, run around in masks like some people basically referring to the fiend. Like, I'll come straight to you and deal with you face to face. So, you know, and then he, he blamed Seth Rollins again for losing them the tag team titles. And, you know, Seth was just kind of, you know, trying to, you know, standing up for himself a little bit. But the two of them clearly still have beef. So later on, we would find out that they would indeed have a one-on-one matchup uh, to to kind of handle their their issues with each other. Where you know, obviously, they, the commentary team talked about it. If Braun Strowman wins this matchup, it's kind of a way for him to get himself back into the title picture. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, talk about what happened in the main event. Um, what, why don't you give us your perspective on what happened in this opening segment? I thought it was a perfect way how Seth Rollins explained himself, how he basically showed to me what, what I what I saw was it last Monday when he was he was scared as hell. Like you saw he closed his eyes, he was breathing hard, like he was just panicking, man. Like he was in a panic panic attack. So I'm glad Seth Rollins now we have like a logical story of him acknowledge, you know, that he was in fear. You know, he felt like you know, like he said, that he thought it was a dream. He closed his eyes, hoped that dream was over. I was like, damn. You know what I'm saying? I'm glad he's acknowledging that he is scared of The Fiend or, you know, Bray Wyatt. It's crazy. And this is getting crazy, man, like for Bray Wyatt, how he just, uh, how he, the way he communicates to Seth Rollins is brilliant. The only way, and it's brilliant on WWE. I got to get, I got to, you know, get him kudos on this on a on a writer standpoint. Mm. How the only way he communicates right now, it's not like standard promos. It's through the show, the Firefly Funhouse, and yep. I think it's perfect and it it it's great and it's smart, man. And I'm loving this, and I, I just want more. I, I just want more, and I want to see where this goes too. 
Yeah, man. Agreed. Agreed. I think the, the, he's just such a unique character right now. There's no one like him in the WWE at all. You know, there's a lot of great acts going on, but there's something about what Bray Wyatt has been doing that just stands out so much. And, you know, I look forward to it every week. So it, it, it's been, it's been an amazing thing to see. And so let's, let's go ahead and just jump to what happened in the, the main event, basically. So they, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman had their matchup. Um, it was pretty much dominated by Braun in the beginning. Uh, he was just using the power moves and really just throwing Seth around, ragdolling him. Uh, but Seth, of course, got his his moment to kind of come back and and get back at, at Braun. He hit him with a couple of frog splashes. He hit one frog splash and then like rolled right back up to his feet, ran up and hit another frog splash. I yeah. thought that was a pretty cool spot. <laughs> um, yeah, just just. Showing that, like, I don't know, he he's he's got this. I think this is kind of Seth's thing. And and there was a moment when he did it where I'm like, I feel like he's really trying to prove he's the best wrestler in the world. Like that statement that he made, you know, when he said, "Yeah, I'm the best wrestler," and people booed. You know, I feel like he's now <laughs> trying to put in a little bit extra effort. Now, he, now, now he got something to prove. He's got a little chip on his shoulder. I feel okay. like because I'm sure he heard it. Well, so, I hope he used that to motivate himself. I I do because honestly, I feel like. You know, when we talk about the the best wrestlers in the world right now, like one of yeah. them is is on the show with him, AJ Styles, right? He's one of those right. guys that you'd put in that category. So, you know, for for me, I think seeing him kind of put in that extra effort was cool, and I feel like he should have that thought about it, that that feeling that he can be the best or that he is the best, but then really go out and try to prove it. Like you just can't say it and then go out there and wrestle a regular match now. Like you actually have to do something that's special, something that's oh, yeah. extra. You know, and so for me, like the suicide dives, like doing three in a row and like just keep going, keep going. Like, that's awesome. Like show that little extra something, because that's something that AJ isn't doing. He has his own things that he does. But that's something that Seth Rollins is kind of unique in and showing that motor to be able to just keep going. And even when he takes a beating to be able to come back and, you know, looks like he's dead, looks like he's down and out. But then all of a sudden he'll show this resilience and then be able to do two back to back frog splashes. That takes a hell of a lot of energy to do. Do three suicide dives, which takes a hell of a lot of energy. Right. One corner to the next. Yes, uh, yes. Frog splashes. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's like that that CrossFit training, you know, that he yeah. loves to do, man. Showing <laughs> himself during the match, man. So, that good core workout. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to give him a little bit of props because I, I saw it, I noticed it, and I, I like I like Seth Rollins. So I'm hoping that he continues to kind of you know show it in this way, and 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 maybe at some point we can look back at it and say, you know what. Seth Rollins, we can put him up against all of the best wrestlers in the world, and it's not like something we just laugh at and something we're just like, come on, dude, like, what are you talking about? Like, he can actually earn that moniker of being one of the guys that, yeah, yeah, I could say he's one of the best. He's one of the top wrestlers right now in the world, for sure. And I got no problems giving somebody their due. So if he he rises to the occasion and, you know, he want to say that he's the best wrestler, you know, on – on the planet verbatim that's what he says then all right man let me see it exactly exactly so yeah and so going back to actually the the one spot where he did the three suicide dives the third one he actually tripped i I don't know how he did like tripped or he had a misstep but it was kind of perfect because you know he hit the first two and braun Strowman was kind of a little bit rocked and then he tripped and it and then he got caught by Braun Strowman and Tr- Braun I think choke slammed him after that. Yeah. And the you know the commentary crew was like, "Oh, that trip cost him. That trip cost him." I feel like it was one of those like mistakes that was a happy accident. It was like a perfect mistake for the story that they were telling in the ring. Yes. Cuz then Braun kind of took over from there. He did. 
dominant. Yeah, and Seth just barely like it could have been a really ugly botch the way that it happened, but yeah. Seth somehow, some way was still able to leap through the middle ropes and get to Braun, and Braun caught him, choke slammed him, uh, did his little run around the ring, knocked him down again, brought him into the ring, trying to do his <laughs> finisher, and then the lights started to go down. And, you know, everybody knows by now that's Bray Wyatt's cue. Like, we know Bray Wyatt is coming. And so the lights turn off. Bray Wyatt, uh, everybody's expecting Bray Wyatt. The lights are off completely. And the lights uh, kind of flicker and the music hits. And, of course, Bray Wyatt is in the ring, uh, putting the mandible claw on Braun Strowman, which was a just a crazy sight to see. Yes. You know, a guy the size of Braun Strowman writhing in pain, screaming for, like, just in agony. Just like getting get this mandible claw done to him, uh, and and Bray too himself is kind of doing this like whine like moan while he was doing it, which okay. was just like a such a just a scary just uh, the whole thing just creeped me out, man. I was like, man, this this is jacked up, you know, seeing this happen. <laughs> like, you know, it, just, it, it was it was it was it was a scarring thing to see for sure. It was, it was, but it, so worked. He, it worked. It worked, man. It so worked perfect. for him, man. Like, dude. Like the way he does it, like he make it so like so violent, and it's so in your face. It's dramatic. Uh, it's so damn serious. And then I think the second time when he did it again, because Braun got up actually yeah. when he, you know, you know when he was done. I think the fiend went in the corner, and Seth is in the corner, scared as hell again, man. Yeah. You know, yeah, this time you actually heard Seth being like you like kind of like like screaming out a yeah, little bit. Like, yeah, oh. like oh. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> now, now he's like legitimately terrified now, man. Like you know, dude, that's like a saw yell or some shit. Like you see yeah. the saw movies, and that's, yeah. that's like you gotta prepare for yourself for this gruesome scene. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> Like Seth, man, what are you doing? You gotta fight this dude, you know? Right. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was I mean, basically the the to set it up uh just the way it happened, after he had put the mandible claw on Braun, Braun Strowman the first time, then he, you know, Braun Strowman was out. He kind of looks to Seth and he's doing that little slow crawl to Seth, and Seth is closing his eyes and he's like, ah, you know, afraid of the fiend. But then Braun is kind of moving around a little bit. And then uh, Bray kind of turns and sees Braun kind of trying to sit up. And so there's a moment where uh, the Fiend and Braun are just looking at each other, both kind of down on the ground, but like, you know, fake, like staring at each other eye to eye. And I wish they would have had a better camera angle for this so you could have seen both of their faces, but specifically what Braun's face looked like. I'm really curious as to what that was. But they, they showed it from like basically behind Braun still seeing the Fiend's face. So that, that's fine. And then the fiend just went right back to putting the mandible claw on him, and yeah, Braun basically right just worked, bro. Dude, yeah, right back at it. it. It looked like he was just murdering Braun. Honestly, like he he just Braun out of breath, knocked out again. Uh, then uh, fiend turned right back to Seth Rollins. Seth at this point he wasn't screaming anymore, but he was kind of like you know terrified, like he was shook. He was shook to just still basically, um, and. That was it. That was it. That's how the show ended. It was just yeah. uh, the the fiend kind of just staring at at uh, Seth and Seth just being terrified. So yeah, just a great, great, uh, just a sequence for for the fiend. Um, both um, like just 
that that whole situation with Braun, I thought was a, a nice way to sell just how vicious he can be. Doesn't matter how big the guy is, he's going to be able to take him down with that mandible claw. Such a perfect uh, move for him to have to be able to dominate anybody now. Um, yeah, real excited uh, from from what he did. And uh, yeah, for Seth, like just great performance, putting over like how scary the fiend is. And yeah, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, man, I enjoyed the match. The reason why it was a good tease, how like it kind of showed that maybe Brian was getting ready to win because he was getting yeah. ready for his finisher. And then, you know, all of a sudden, then the Fiend's music, you know, lights go off and then the Fiend shows up and gives him the Manable Claw. I thought that was a great tease. So my question to you, I asked this because based off last week, the way uh, I, I believe the way you was talking about it was last week, Clash of Champions, when we did that. Yeah, recap, and you said Seth just buried Braun. Do you still feel that way? Well, I feel like at the time before this matchup, yeah, like that's just that's just what it felt like. In this situation, there it's like they're trying to build him back up again. Um, so I still feel like they they did bury him in that last matchup by yeah. having Seth beat him the way he did. But now it's like okay now they're trying to do that repair job like all right now let's let's work on braun like we did what we could to help seth at the detriment of braun now we feel like we we need to fix this for braun and make him look look strong again and you know he for the most part they they did achieve that in terms of starting to build him up again but i guess during this match i never felt like he was going to beat seth even though Towards the end, you know, it, it looked that way, like he was getting close to it. But I just kind of had a feeling throughout this whole matchup that, yeah, this is – they made it so that Braun just does not seem like he can he can beat him, um, which does, shouldn't, doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right that I would doubt Braun against Seth Rollins. But he took the loss already. So now it's like they have to do this work to be able to build him up again. And I think – a win over Seth is is something that I, I want to see sooner rather than later, just to just yeah. to really, like get that back. Yeah, I, I think we would enjoy that. I think it would be a great way because right now it it feels like a a rivalry, just the way based on their promo they had in in the beginning of the show. Yeah, and Brian just told him like, man, you know, if you know, just come and say it to my face like a man, and then uh, I think the way. Way Bron took it, I think he took it as like disrespect, or you want to challenge him or something like that. And you know, Seth was responding like, "You could take that as you could take it as any ways you want to take it, Bron." He was like, "Good, because you know what, you're gonna get these hands tonight." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I was like, wow, that's what's up." So I'm glad that you know Bron is still looking hungry, man. Yeah, man. Agreed. Agreed. So, you know, again, you just um, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking for I, I'm a fan of Braun. So I'm looking for them to, to yeah, do that. Me too. Me too. Up, for sure. So. All right. Let's keep it moving with the rest of the card. So yeah. uh, the the Viking Raiders versus the OC. This was kind of interesting because the Viking Raiders really I don't know. They've been kind of lackluster in terms of the way they've been presented this entire time. You know, yeah. we talked about their backstage stuff with the huffing and puffing and, you know, the 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 just ominous lighting and everything. And <laughs> then they come out and they fight jobbers. And it's like, what is this really doing for anybody? But here they're fighting the OC. Finally, they're fighting the OC. Yeah. Um, the, the OC and the Viking Raiders had issues in that whole tag team turmoil matchup to decide who were going to be the number one contenders. 
They both got disqualified. So, you know, it's overdue that they fought each other. The OC came out to new music, which I thought was interesting. I kind of like the change for them to kind of yeah. give them a different feel. Yeah. Uh, a little nastier uh, music. I like it. A little more heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my only thing with that was if you're rebranding the OC, I felt like they were they needed a win, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. And they didn't get a win. I'm just going to jump to the end. They ended up losing this matchup. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of a, a self-defeating thing where, OK, yeah, you you give them this new music. They have this different feel. They feel more menacing. But then they go out there and they lose. Now, okay, I get it. It's the Viking Raiders. You're also trying to build them up. That was, but, but still, that was my thoughts too, man. I thought this was a missed opportunity for OC to get a win, and I thought Vikings could afford a loss, but still look good. You know, you know, still yeah. it could be like a strong, acceptable loss, and nobody, would, and the fans would be like, "Oh man, they're they're weak now." Like, no, it makes sense. Give me a logical sense loss that the the reason why the OC, even by Hill tactic. I was going to say that. Even by Hill Taxes, which it should have been. was there. Right, right. Exactly, man. Maybe the numbers game should have been too much, you know? It would have been perfect, and bam. Like, why the OC couldn't get this win is beyond me right now. I agree. I agree 100%, man. It didn't make any sense. I was anticipating it. Again, They they, with the rebranding, it seems like, you know, it would have just made sense to use this as a way to really put them over. A team like the Viking Raiders, who've been undefeated since they showed up on WWE, have the OC be the first ones to beat them, whether it's clean or through heel tactics, which heel tactics would have made so much sense with yeah. AJ Styles being there, but they didn't do that. AJ got tossed out because the referee caught him messing. Uh, I think it was, uh, uh, oh my God, Ibar is is his name, I think. Uh, the bigger guy that did the cartwheels. Um, so they they had, he was grabbing his leg and the ref saw it. He's like, I saw that, I'm going to kick you out. And then uh, he walked up the ramp, Cedric came out and uh, Cedric Alexander came out and, and you know, kind of was gotten into a scuffle with AJ and both of them went to the back and then it just became a straight up two on two matchup. And yeah, the Viking Raiders ended up getting the win, um, you know, with the Viking experience, which looked pretty sick when they threw up Carl Anderson in the air and he caught him like that was a, you know, it's, it's a great finisher. I just hate the name because it's always a reminder of the Viking experience. Right. They're, uh, I think they're a rebranded name when they first came into the WWE, right? Yeah, that was what they were called, unfortunately, the Viking experience, you know. And catch our so, in that one, uh, yeah, in our earlier podcast oh, episodes. Man. Viking experience, Viking yeah. experience. Oh, yeah, that, that was a good one. The, <laughs> the chant we were supposed to do, yeah, no, that was never going to happen. So, um, yeah, and and it, well, also another thing that's kind of interesting to me in all this is that first it seemed like the Viking Raiders were getting sold as heels. And now yeah. clearly they were, they were faces in this matchup, um, which I think they should have been faces from the beginning, to be honest with you, given the way that they were on NXT. Okay. You know, they had a lot of respect. Yeah, right. well, because, you know, I mean, and again, this is carrying over from NXT, which it doesn't seem like anything really carries over from NXT in terms of rivalries no. and history. No. Like Vince just doesn't carry that stuff over. Right. Um, he changes their names. He changes everything about them. And it's like that stuff never happened, which sucks unless none canon. Exactly. Basically the way they treat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, instead they went this heel route and they were fighting jobbers and no one cared. And in this matchup, I felt like the crowd actually was really into it. Like they really liked what the Viking Raiders were doing. Um, and surprise, surprise, if you put the Viking Raiders up against someone other than jobbers, they actually give give a shit. So exactly. You know, <laughs> that, that was shit, our complaint I, about it. Like 
yeah. you know, where we're getting tired of like we know what they can do, but we we're getting tired of the jobbers every week. Yeah. Jobber, jobbers, another jobber, real quick. Right, that serves no purpose right now. Exactly. So you know that I hope this serves as a lesson, and they just they yeah. don't go back to having the Viking Raiders go against jobbers again. Just have them keep fighting established tag teams. You know that's just the way it should be. So you know. Kudos to the Viking Raiders for because it seems like now the crowd is starting to to get a little bit more invested. Um, kudos to the OC to a point for for being willing to put over the Viking Raiders, but I I really I feel for the OC because I feel like they needed it more. They needed the win more than the Viking Raiders, but you know they went a different a different direction, which sucks. But you know it, it is what it is for the OC. But hopefully you know the new music is a sign that. You know, the WWE is, is invested in them and wants to p- still push them in some way. So we'll see. Um, all right. So you ready to move on to the Yeah, to yeah. The next Go one? ahead, man. All right. So I have here Rusev uh, versus EC3, which was not a matchup. It, this this was not a matchup. Poor this was EC3, man. This was, this was terrible. Um, Rusev, uh, first like match at on first, Raw. He, he wanted to leave the ring at first. He wanted to leave. He wanted out. Which was kind of funny. I give him that. You know, and, and then just Rusev basically it was a, it was a it was a jobber matchup, but yes. it featured EC3 essentially. Um, I just. I, we shouldn't take too much time on this just to say, no, hey, no, no. Rusev looked great. EC3 just basically got embarrassed. P- pretty much that was it. Um, and it sucks for EC3. Like, he just needs to – in this whole draft thing, he needs to go back to NXT. Yep. Like, immediately. I hope that happens, too. Like, some talent goes to NXT, which it's two hours now, so you have even more of an opportunity to get more expo- exposure, you know? Yeah. So it can yeah. work out. And that NXT crowd, you know, is so like respectful and lo- like they yes. will they will welcome EC3 back with open arms yes. and with a big pop. So yep. I hope that happens. Um, all right, let's move on from that and go to it was uh, Sasha Banks versus Nikki Cross one on one matchup that I have here in my notes. Which um, that matchup, I mean, essentially, well, why don't you break that down? Like, what were your thoughts on that guy? Well, since you like to, since you this is you know, ain't you a fan of Sasha Banks? Or aren't you a fan oh, of huge, huge fan? Yeah, man. Go ahead and break it down, man. This this your girl, man. I mean, you know, not the, this matchup here. I mean, it was a solid matchup overall for for Sasha getting over and beating Nikki Cross. She tapped her out. I mean, I wasn't like super hyped up about this matchup to be to be real with you. You know, I feel like this here um was not that memorable you know from from raw you know mm. i just didn't i didn't nothing specific about it really carried over for me to where i'm like oh yeah this happened and this happened you know it, it's it's nice for to see sasha on raw and i'm always going to be like you know i think she's she always goes out and gives 110% but you know really what i'm excited to see is how the story progresses between Sasha and, and Becky at this point. So the matchup itself, I really don't have much to say on that, to be real with you. You know, it just was a, uh-huh. it was a decent matchup. Um, great seeing Sasha and, you know, Nikki. I mean, Nikki did her thing, but it just wasn't that memorable of a match to me. I just got to be real. Okay. I thought it was a decent match, but I thought it looked good for more of Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. I thought it showed more favorite uh you know, towards uh, Nikki Cross because I guess she was in the face in this match. You know, you kind of had the crowd behind her and she's kind of, you know, showing resilience behind that, which was cool. And I love that little moment too, man. Uh, Alexa Bliss backing her friend up, gave, uh, was it, Bailey, like a, 
was it uh did she knock her out and then throw into a chair or something like that oh yeah 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 so i thought that was a good spot right there so uh that was a badass moment for alexa bliss so for me it worked not so much for sasha Banks. so i, I completely understand you your point on that but i thought it showed more favor more on alexa bliss and especially nikki cross yeah ag- agreed agreed i i i can see your your angle on that too and i really don't even want to spend too much time on this one but just to say that you know i, I for sasha leading uh, closer and closer to her matchup with with becky lynch you know i feel like i just want more interaction with the two of them which we did get on smackdown so we'll talk about it there yep. but um you know moving on from that we had a matchup between Lacey Evans and Ember Moon, which I actually, you know, enjoyed a little bit more um, than than the Sasha and Nikki Cross matchup. There were a couple spots for Ember Moon where, well, one in particular where she was like upside down. She was basically hanging off of the the very bottom rope. Her feet were holding on to that, and her body was laid out over the apron, kind of close to the floor. Yeah. And then, uh, Lacey Evans got up close to her, and then. Uh, Ember Moon kind of popped up and hit her with a stunner on the outside from this position. It was kind of a crazy thing. It's hard to even yes. describe it, really. But <laughs> it, was, it was one of those moves where you're like, damn, well, I did not see that coming. Like, yeah. I that so you know, I was I thought, like, damn. Yeah. Yes, it, so, it, was, it was a good spot right there. So through, through this match, I'm just thinking, one, okay, great to see Ember Moon. But two, like, gosh, why won't they just put this girl over already? Like, she she just can't buy a win. They just won't fully invest in her. I mean, I think it was you that said, like, maybe it was Vince McMahon that didn't didn't like Ember Moon for some yeah. reason, um, which I, I just don't understand why, if that's the case. I mean, we don't have any con- confirmation on that. It's just something that, you know, has is, is been rumored, I guess, uh-huh. that that might be a thing. Uh, but the way they're booking, booking her right now, man, you can't agree with that. Yeah, the booking supports yeah. it. Yeah. You know, because right now, you know, she is a, a great wrestler. She knows her character. You know, I, I just hope in the future for this draft that it works in her favor. Because, you know, if this can be a, a fresh start for her, great. Because she is one of those characters, one of those wrestlers that, you know, that she needs this draft to work for her. I, I just don't see how the draft helps her. Honestly, unless she goes to NXT, I have to keep saying this for a lot of these people. But you think you think she else. needs she, you think she needs to go back to NXT because I don't think she needs to go back to NXT. Well, here's the thing. So, so NXT used to be d- developmental, right? So, right. if we were talking yeah. about it from a developmental standpoint, no, she doesn't need NXT. But I think again, the NXT crowd, that environment, the way that they focus uh, so much on on. Uh, the, the wrestling and the passion and all of that. Like, she fits that vibe so well. On SmackDown and Raw, I feel like it's going to be more... Like, if she switches from SmackDown to Raw, I think it's just going to be the same. I don't think anything is going to change for her. Now, only if they decide, hey, we're going to push her, then things will change. And it really doesn't matter if she gets drafted or not. They still have to make the decision, like, we are going to push Ember Moon. We are going to make Ember Moon look, look strong. Um, but in NXT, I feel like Triple H, William Regal, they've shown that they will push Ember Moon. They have pushed Ember Moon. They've, they've, they, you know, women's wrestling on NXT, that's where this evolution really started, you know? So I feel like they have, you know, just such a respect for women's wrestling and they're such a great 
the vision there for women's wrestling that it just fits for Ember Moon to be able to to be there and thrive and look great on that on that uh, on that show. You know, it could happen for her on Raw and SmackDown. They both Raw and SmackDown have great women's divisions, but it just seems like Vince or whoever is making those decisions. Um, I'm not going to put it on Paul or Eric Bischoff necessarily. I'm just going to say Vince McMahon that he's just decided, hey, it's not her time to get pushed yet. And so she's just in these matches where she loses and she just doesn't look that great in on these, in these losses, just the way they're booking her. Um, so right now, so seeing that makes me think if she gets drafted to raw, if she switches shows, it's just more of the same, she, you know, I don't see how that helps. Um, and if she stays on SmackDown and they're still using her in the same way, of course that doesn't help. But in NXT, we're, we're talking about triple H and triple H has shown he'll use her and he'll book her the right way. So I think that would be the, the the only way I could see the draft helping her. Well, I'm guess I'm willing to show more faith on Monday Night Raw because if she was, was to get drafted by Monday Night Raw, I think it could work in her favor because it's a three hour show. Now it's now it's your B show, but it has potential to be one of those great underrated B shows. You know, be your so to speak indie darling. You know, because now you got Seth Rollins. Uh, basically AJ Styles, maybe, no, no, Sasha Banks, and why not, too, Ember Moon, it could work out. Uh, You see Lacey Evans, she's getting, you know, somewhat of her character being built. I think it can work for this season premiere and see what happens for Ember Moon Uh, because, you know, you have all this airtime now, and, you know, basically you're revamping, you get a you have a revamp commentating new commentating team for Monday Night Raw, so I think all those point up, you know, for for Ember Moon. Well, I hope you're right, and you know, one thing I could see is maybe let's say Sasha Banks stays on Raw and they move Becky Lynch to SmackDown and Charlotte still on SmackDown, that leaves a face opening for someone to jump in there and be you know the the primary baby face and maybe Ember yeah. Moon fills that spot. You know, I think that'd be a great way that this could go. Um, but you, you said it, too. I mean, Lacey Evans is is getting kind of pushed. Now, I don't see her being a face necessarily, but that's another oh, no, person no. that could be one of the main features of, of Raw's women's division. Um, also, too, Alexa Bliss, what's going to happen with her? Because right now she's on Raw. So if, if, let's say, Becky leaves, it could end up being Alexa Bliss versus Sasha Banks if Sasha does indeed win. Um, and between Amber Moon and Alexa Bliss, we know who they favor. Uh, right now, Alexa Bliss is 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 it is Alexa yeah. and Charlotte in terms of like the two who seem to get the most love in the women's division right now. Um, so I, I just I have a hard time, you know, with what I've seen so far, you know, believing that that Ember is gonna is gonna get that push just just because of the draft. But you know, again, I hope you're right. I hope that it does happen for her because she deserves it for sure. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about the 24-7 championship and what transpired <laughs> um, on Raw. This thing just never ceases to to uh, entertain and impress. So yes. uh, why don't you break that down, man? What did we see here? I thought it was a great swerve uh, by Carmella. So let's, let's, let's break this down. Let's back it up. So what happened, what transpired on Monday Night Raw is during this promo, uh, you see Carmella and Truth, they're running towards the ring and get inside the ring. All the wrestlers come out. Uh, basically, you know the the B and C uh, wrestlers. You know, uh, Heath Slater. I think you got one of the Lucha Doors from uh, Lucha Party out there as well. But anyways, you know, Carmella grabs the mic. She was like, "Hey, 
truth, I got to confess, I'm getting tired, you know, always looking over my shoulder, watching, you know, each other's backs for the 24-7 championship. It's getting ridiculous, you know, just saying that. <laughs> yep. And, and truth responds, and I, before you know it, you see Carmella gets truth in a quick roll up. One, two, three. Carmella is your new 24 7, 7 11, I 94 European television championship. Man. <laughs> champion. Man. It, it was great. In truth, you know, he wasn't even hating. He had a big smile on his face, and it was kind of funny too. He was. Uh, all the all, all of a sudden, all the women wrestlers started coming out. So I think you've seen the Iconics. I think you've seen Sarah Logan out there. Yeah, Emma yeah. was out there too, starting yeah. to chase uh, Carmella, which was great. And then what was the coolest spot? Uh, Carmella was like, "We gotta go, Truth. We gotta go." And you see Truth getting on Carmella's back, trying to see, trying to get. So because usually, usually Carmella is on our Truth's back, and they're running. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of reverse now. He was trying to get on Carmelo's back, but it didn't work out. He was just way too heavy. So he ended up, you know, it, it, she uh he he ended up having Carmelo getting on his back and end up taking off. But it was a great promo. Never ceased us to to make me laugh. So it was a great spot, man. I, I couldn't say more. Yeah, man. I just pure entertainment. Like I said, it just, it was so fun to see. I mean, Carmella, she seemed legit, like just exhausted with, you know, <laughs> always being chased down. She's like, enough, enough, you know, and just did not want to be, you know, go through that anymore. And, you know, I'm like, okay, so what is, what is she saying? Like, where is this going to go? And then all of a sudden she does the roll up and I'm like, oh my God, they went there, they went there with this. So that was pretty cool. And seeing our truth just being like, at first he was like, what just happened to, you know what? Okay. You know, this is, this is Mella. Like that's his friend. So it's fine. And then, you know, him helping her. And like you said, I caught that too, where he tried to get on her back and it was just not happening. They're like, no, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do the way, this the way we've been doing it. So she got on his back and they ran off as the, the women's division was chasing them. Yeah. I thought it was great. Just, just fun. Uh, not really much more to say about that. You yeah. said it all really. Yeah. So it was just right. a fun moment. I hope they keep this going. Cause yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just, it never ceases to, to, to amaze me the different ways that they find ways to make it entertaining. So it was great. And truth is what a, before he got rolled up, he said, I think they said he's a 19, 19. 19 yeah. I think he's 19. Yeah. Yeah, something like he's that. He's in the twenties, right? He's he, he's eclipsing that now. Oh, that's happening. That's he's happening. going to be in the thirties. Yeah, by the end of this year, in the thirties. Oh at least. man, he's the winningest champ because I mean, the, before it was sixteen, it was Ric Flair, right? Now, yeah, he's, yeah. Truth is the winningest. He, he eclipsed that record now, bro. It's over. It's over. Yeah. Like no one will ever catch what Truth is, is getting ready to do, man. Who knew that title man. would be like one of the highlights of? Yeah. Uh, WWE universe 100% it is and I did not see that coming as soon as they unveiled that belt I was like what is this but having it be our truth has been carrying this division and with some some other notables too it's it's been it's been a blast man it's been entertaining and social media everywhere they they find ways to kind of incorporate it and and entertain people so yeah it's one of the, the best parts of WWE going right now um all right let's move on to the well King Corbin and his basically reimagined <laughs> look and feel and music and all this. 
man, this was this was really interesting. So um, the way it started it out too, that on the Tron you see King Corbin and the music is kind of like regal and everything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So they are going to continue this. Interesting. Oh, man. We talked about this in our in our SmackDown breakdown after what had happened with Chad Gable, like stomping the crown and breaking the scepter and crushing the throne that, okay, they may even just forget, like, just erase this completely and it'll be like it never happened. Yeah. But, you know, to their credit, they're still using this for him. And, you know, I, I was hoping that this would be the case. The new crown with a new cape. Brand new, all black crown. And that crown looks badass. I got to say that because it's all black, you know, with yeah. kind of shiny gold diamonds in there with black diamonds, I believe, in there, too. I'm like, okay, Baron Corbin, King Baron Corbin. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, almost like a Mad King kind of look with like yes. a black uh, cloak instead of the bright uh, color one. I think it was like a bright red before, but not as, bl- as black, uh, which I like that kind of like a Jon Snowish kind of look to it. Um, yeah, just overall, I, I like the look for Corbin. Now it's funny because he still has the the tank top, you know, look going with the with the yeah. pants. So it's kind of a mixture of the two. But him with the crown, the the new scepter, which is also in black, um, and then the like leatherish cape black uh, look to it as well. I think it could work. I think it'll be something that will be a work in progress. Maybe they can do something with you know the tank because. I think he needs something else to for when he's wrestling to really make him feel regal, even while he's wrestling. Yeah, because uh, I think that basic G unit tank is not going to work. It needs to like like you said, man. It needs to be more uh, of of royalty, you know. Yeah, um, something that says King Baron. Like, okay, I can understand why he is he is the king. You know, based off what he's, you know, his garments or whatever, his his clothes. So I definitely uh, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I but I like it, though. I like that he's doing that. And he seemed to be, you know, have a, another level of arrogance with the, the moniker now um, that I do like. So we'll, we'll see, man. You know, I think this is a, a, a good look for him, a good change for him. Um, I like the mixture of the music. I talk about how I don't like how they usually will remix yeah. some songs every once in a while and kind of mash two songs together. I thought this one, they actually matched the beats and it kind of flowed a little bit better. It was acceptable. I think it'll be a work in progress a little bit too. But overall, I did like the change to, to his song um, and how it kind of flowed from this very royal kind of feeling thing yeah. to you know, his, his just general theme. It was a, it was a cool mix. I was wondering how you feel about that. Cause I, I, you was talking about that earlier. I think it was for either SmackDown or Clash of Champions, but it was about, uh, was it Oscar and Kyrie saying, or no, it was the fire and desire. Oh, that one too. It was like, you know, those two, you know, themes doesn't match at all but yet they try no. to mix it in together and, and i know how he was annoyed so i was like well now you feel about this one because it, it felt like it made like it, it they took time to try to mix them a little bit better i felt than they do some of the other ones that they they just like cut together roughly it feels like um this one even though it's it, it is still a, a jarring change to go from this like slow methodical royal song to his song, but his song's pacing is is not too far off, I guess, from from the the more you know 
classic song that they tried to use. Whereas Fire and Desire, you know, it's like uh, Sonya Deville's song is like a rock, like hard, punchy song. And then you get Mandy Rose's, which is very slow and methodical. So the 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 pacing of both of those songs are so different that we try to match them together. It's like, what are we doing? It just, it just feels jarring here though. I think both since his song, even though it's rock, it's uh kind of got a, a slow uh, beat to it. Then matching this, this more classic song with the slow beat also, it just felt like it kind of flowed a little bit better. Okay. So anyway, I, I, I say since the tempo kind of matches. Yeah. Okay. That it, it, it sounded better. Th- with these two matched together versus with with theirs, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool, yeah. man. All right, I get it. So yeah, but overall, um, to to talk about what had happened, um, he fought Chad Gable, uh, Chad Gable and him, which we talked about whether or not that would continue. I, I was pretty sure that this this wasn't over between the two of them, and you know, here they are; they were still wrestling. Um, Chad Gable had the crowd; he had the he crowd. Did. They, they were really behind Chad Gable. They were Chad, Chad, Chad chants. Yeah. You know, so they were, you know, behind him firmly. Um, you know, he played the underdog character and Corbin played the evil heel. So it was a very classic type of wrestling Corbin's match. Corbin's a good heel, man. He's I think he's underrated as a heel. I don't think he people get his credit when it's due. When, when people's, you know, when... When people boo, like he gets a reaction from the crowd. Just listen. It's like heavily booed. I think heavily boos are just as important when you get a, you know, a great, you know, crowd applaud, you know, like uh, yes, yes chants and people just chanting your name. I think massive boos is this, you know, is is at the same, uh, it's up there at the top too. Yeah, for sure. But I guess the type of heat is the the thing that we've always kind of debated. Which one was it for Corbin? Was it like the type of heel heat where it's like, okay, I hate this guy, but I do want to see him? Or is it go away heat where you just kind of are sick of seeing this person that's getting overexposed? And for Corbin, I think at a time it was go away heat, to be honest. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I hear what you're saying about, you know, him being underrated as a heel right now. But I think there was a time where we, we had Corbin's crew with him and Drew and Bobby Lashley where it, it was go away heat. They it just did not make sense well, that yeah. he would be the leader of this this you know un, unofficial faction essentially. And I get um, I get that because that's a bad spot for him to be in. So booking right. wise, that doesn't work. But I think solo the way he's getting booked right now for King Corbin, I think it's working in his favor as a heel. Yeah, it, it it works better now. It does work better now. I think the time away because also too, I mean, he was in a main event with Seth Rollins, and there it felt like, wow, should should he be fighting Seth right now and like main eventing a pay per view? Like, I just feel like they at before he because after he lost to Seth uh, after the mixed tag match, he was yeah. kind of, he was gone for a while. Yep. You know, he left for a while, and and now he's back, and I feel like that time away helped a little bit as well because it was almost like a, a pseudo restart. And starting with the King of the Ring and teasing the whole King Corbin thing from the beginning of the beginning of King of the Ring, it seemed to work really well within the confines of that tournament. That you know the the heel side of him and sitting on the throne and putting on the crown early and all that, like that seemed to work. Um, and there were some we didn't talk about this, but at, at one of the cities that they were in, it sounded like they were actually cheering Corbin, which I was kind of shocked by. I think it was during the, the either the triple threat match or the match before, maybe both of them. But I do remember hearing 
some positive reactions for Corbin mixed in with booze, obviously, but there was like a group that was trying to, to, to cheer Corbin on a little bit. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? So, um, you know, I guess kudos to Corbin for sticking with it. Kudos to WWE for sticking with it. Um, I'm not convinced that he's completely set and like ready as a, as a true, like heel that people are enjoying seeing, but I think he's on his way there. If they continue to develop this King Corbin character, because there's definitely, like, I, I feel like a change of style of music can help um, adding a little bit more more layers to his personality overall, to his character overall, will help. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing his evolution. Okay. Well, yeah, because that's, that's what I think right now, because the way he's being booked as a heel is working. And I think he can be one of those characters that can fit well on the raw side as well. Yeah, man. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah. So that before we move on, just say that, the, you know, in the end of this matchup, it ended up in a DQ. Uh, Corbin used a scepter to to hit Gable. And then he, you know, just continued to pummel him with the scepter yep. and then uh, stood tall, you know, with his new scepter crown and and uh cloak or whatever on it on him and it was just it, i thought it was a great ending to it it's a, it's a great heel ending for sure for him to be like nope I, you know I, I can he could feel the loss coming probably and he's like nah i'm not i'm not gonna let myself lose to this guy so uh you know just just a fun matchup overall um great great heel heat great baby face uh little moment for chad gable uh, and we'll see this is becoming a matchup where we both didn't want to see it in the finals, no. even though we could kind of see it coming. To something that's becoming an interesting thing to see. So yeah, it's hey it's, man, the hey hats off to to Paul Heyman. He's making it work. Yeah, so smart. I guess this booking is working for uh, Baron Corbin, and because Baron Corbin is right now is a strong heel and is working with the face of Chad Gable. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So so we're gonna cap this off now with the five way elimination matchup. Yeah. Uh, to see who was going to be going against uh, the Universal Champion, Seth Rollins. Uh, it included Rey Mysterio, Robert Roode, AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Ricochet. So why don't you go ahead and break down what you thought of this matchup? I thought it was uh, a great match. The one thing that kind of kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, I kind I'm, I'm worried about Ricochet. Okay. Uh, the reason why I'm worried about Ricochet, I'm I'm just kind of like, all right, what what are I what are they doing for his current booking right now? Because uh, you know how they just kind of did that short segment was a week ago of him maybe being the dead of Maria Canellas, uh unborn child. So it was uh, we just did that, and he had that quick match for Maria. No, not not Maria, but uh, what's his name? Is it Matt? No, Mike. Uh, Mike. Mike Canellis. Yeah. That, but Mike Canellis. He had Todd Phillips. Todd right. Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying Matt. You're saying Todd. Right. I wanted to say it sounded Matt sounded right too. <laughs> but uh Mike but uh, I'm about to say Mike Phillips. <laughs> Got you all messed up. Right, we're we're right, creating new, right. new uh, characters here on this show. Yeah, I, I caught myself. Man, uh, okay. I caught myself. I was like, hold on. No, that might be uh, Mike Canellas. But I thought, I'm like, okay, wh- what are we doing right now? And then I think was Ricochet the first guy eliminated? He was the first guy gone. Yeah, yeah so I'm like, ugh. First guy eliminated. And I, I, that's, I'm just worried about that. I'm like, I hope 
he is. I hope this draft. That's I'm just. I'm kind of just hoping that this draft works out for certain, uh, certain uh, WWE superstars. But I think he has a potential. I think right now he could go to SmackDown. But I'll talk about that later. But I think in this match, uh, within the match for Ricochet, I just, I'm, it just keeps me wondering about him. Hmm. I'm, I'm not as worried about Ricochet as you are. Like, I, I get it, you know, that the last two weeks, just the way that you, you painted it, I, I, I understand your concern, but I feel like it's going to take more than this for me to be worried about Ricochet, given that they gave him the United States Championship pretty early and he was fighting against AJ Styles. Like, I think they, there's, there's people back there that really do like Ricochet and these two spots here, uh, don't really make me feel like, okay, they're, they're just now going to just forget about him. And he's just going to become like uh, the, the high flying dude who they picked to put in these multi-person matches, just do one big spot. And then, you know, that's it. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm there yet with this. It, it, I think if it happens more, yes, I'll, I'll be there. But the, again, this spot, he's in I a five. That way, but he is one of those wrestlers that, that's shown that he's, he's not, really that strong in promos well i mean that i think is more of a concern than the booking to be honest with you like the the okay the mike canellis thing him i i felt like it stood out that it was probably going to be a story with him because there's all these b players and then it's ricochet you know it's like okay one of these guys doesn't make sense to be back here right now and it's ricochet so you know that's what it was so i get your point there with this matchup he's in a fatal five-way for the universal championship so even though he's the first one gone, it's still like, man, he's in a fatal five-way for the Universal Championship. EC3 would kill to switch spots with Ricochet in this situation. Be, let me be the first person eliminated in a fatal five-way for the Universal, for the number one contendership for the Universal Championship. So, you know, I, I, I feel like it, this isn't so bad. Now, the promos, yes, I feel like the promo skills need some work. I feel like he doesn't come across that charismatic, honestly, you know, when he's on the mic. And I think less is more with Ricochet when it comes to the mic work. I think the in-ring is really where, you know, he sells himself. You know, the bona fide superhero, you know, all the matches he had with Cesaro and both of them showing their athleticism, like stuff like that um, really works. And as long as they keep giving him solid matchups like that every once in a while, because you can't have everybody fighting for the United States Championship all the time or the Universal Championship all the time. Some of these guys are going to have to just do regular matches. So as long as Ricochet can get into matchups like, again, the Cesaro matchup or other ones in, in the, that nature, maybe, you know, a non-title with, uh, you know, AJ Styles the champion right now, but guys of, of that nature, just like high caliber wrestlers, I think he'll be okay. But if it happens more, plus the, the, uh, promo work doesn't get better, then I would be concerned. But I'm just not there yet. So you don't think he has a chance or shows potential that he can be in that wrestling purgatory? No, I, I not not yet. I'm not there yet. I think, and I don't even think he needs to get drafted to SmackDown in order to to fix it, it at all. I think you know, given the way that they've given him big opportunities early. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm more concerned about Aleister Black now than I am Ricochet. I mean, we'll talk about that with with SmackDown maybe a little bit, but you know, I, you know, Ricochet at least is on television and he's consistently being booked. Whereas Aleister Black, now I think it's been two, three weeks maybe, and we haven't seen him on SmackDown television again. 
So, you know, I, I'm more concerned about Alistair Black than Ricochet. And I think Ricochet just, just you know, give it time. Um, they'll find, you know, some stuff for him to do because they showed it from the very beginning. They were willing to push him. All right. All right, man. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, like I said, that, that I think that was one of my gripes with this match. But I did like how they, they did have a good showing for Rey Mysterio. I thought it was great. He kicked off a good promo. Uh, said this match was dedicated to his son. So I'm like how they using that story to, uh, you know, uh, that's his drive. That's his motivation right there. Yeah, I think Ray looked uh, looked solid in this matchup. I think the standout actually was Robert Roode, to be honest with you. I feel like Robert Roode looked the best out of everybody in this match. Um, you know, there was a point to where I'm like, okay, if it, I could see Robert Roode winning this whole thing, really, if not for the storyline that Ray Mysterio had, I would have said, you know, as that match was going on, that Robert Roode was getting ready to win. Uh, given that he eliminated AJ Styles, I'm like, what the yeah, heck? Like, right. Robert Roode just pinned AJ. With like, that, that's glorious DDT. Yeah. <laughs> like, it looked like NXT Robert Roode all over again, you know? Oh, and wow. That's just, saying just, something now. Now, think I'm about what you, <laughs> I, I, Dude, I felt it. I felt it. Like, when when he and Shinsuke were in the ring together, too, like, this is just more proof that, that NXT isn't canon for WWE. Like, there was really no mention of their matchups for the NXT championship yeah. at all, you know, but I felt it because I've, I've seen it. So I'm like, Oh my God, you know, Robert Roode and Shinsuke. Now there was a moment where the crowd chanted TNA when Robert Roode and AJ Styles were kind of working together a little bit in the corner. I think Ricochet was still in the match at that time. So that was kind of a cool moment, but yeah, man, shout out to Robert Roode. I felt like he had a great showing overall. He looked like a, he, to me, like starting with his backstage promo you know, to the way he was in the matchup, there was a certain weight that he carried himself with. And I feel like he was taking this like, I'm going to show them that I can be their like they're one of their main heel players. And I felt that from him again. I felt that NXT Robert Roode that was going to take NXT to, you know, new heights and, and have them sell out, you know, big arenas and all that. Like when he was always professing that he was going to be that guy and make everything glorious. So, you know, I just I. I thought Robert Roode, man, he killed it. He he stole that matchup for me. Um, but ultimately, Rey Mysterio did win, and Rey Mysterio looked great. He did. And I have a theory. I have a theory. Oh, um, snap. Hold on. It, okay, it, hold on. All right. It, it's, Let me scoot up so, in my chair real quick. I scoot know up in your chair. Good. Prepare yourself for this one. Prepare yourself for this one. So the season premiere um, of Raw, Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins made a really interesting quote during the the night. He said, regardless of what happens in his matchup with Rey Mysterio, he is going one-on-one with The Fiend in Hell in a Cell. I think, prepare yourself, I think Rey Mysterio is going to win the Universal Championship against Seth Rollins on Raw. Okay. Okay. I think Rey Mysterio is going to win. And I think okay. the Fiend is going to be the reason why Seth loses. And it'll end up being Fiend versus Seth non-title. Because, again, with, with Seth making that statement, I'm like, why the hell would Seth say that his matchup with the Fiend, regardless, is going to be is going to happen with or without the title? Yeah. You know, and the Fiend, we've been talking about it, how it just seems like it's so much so soon. You know, so, and, and again, with Rey Mysterio's storyline and doing this for his son, Dominic, it's just kind of an interesting way to have all of that play out. Now, what it could be, though, let's let's just pause here on, on my prediction and just look at it a different way. 
it could just be Seth hyping up that matchup, right? And Seth saying, hey, you know, trying to give put it in our heads that Rey Mysterio has a chance to win. Don't just think that that uh, you know, because I'm fighting the fiend for the championship, that Rey Mysterio doesn't have an opportunity. So he kind of throws out that little like plants the seed in our heads about, well, maybe it won't be a, a title matchup between him and the fiend. And and my prediction could could also partially be influenced by the fact that I don't want this to be a championship match between him and the fiend I because I feel like it's too soon for the fiend yeah. to to be fighting for the title. But this is the perfect way that they get away from the belt, and then you know. Yeah. In, 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 you know, and to your point, like, yeah, now it could just be straight. We could just focus straight on the story because I think we don't need the belt to tell this great story right now. Exactly. And what better way to mess with Seth Rollins than to somehow cost him that matchup yes. and cost him the belt, the thing that he values most right now? Like, it would just – and I think it would be a yeah. perfect way to 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 continue to build the story and just again have Rey Mysterio be rewarded and give him the Universal Championship, like you know, after just being on the verge of retirement. Now flipping around and he's Universal Champion, and his son Dominic is there. Like, oh my God, like that could be so cool. And then Alberto, uh, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going way back. All right, um, Andrade, Andrade, Cien yeah. Almas, you know, like maybe coming back into the picture and then having a feud with Rey Mysterio for the universal championship Ooh. like man how cool would that be yeah. so you know a little bit of fan book in there maybe but you know I, honestly I man it. think about it it's going to be the new worker uh title like yep. how that uh how that world heavyweight championship used to be when we had the wwe belt but we had the exactly. we had the world heavyweight championship and at one point it was that you know work worksman you know work horseman title yep yep yeah, man, I, I can see. I, I think that it, it, the opportunity is right there. It makes so much sense, you know. So I hope, I hope, hope, hope WWE does that and and gives the belt to Rey Mysterio. I mean, my God, what a what a moment that would be on the premiere yes. to have that switch. Most definitely, you know, bro. Just it would be so perfect. So you know, fingers crossed that happens. All right. Yeah, man. Me too, man. I I like that hypothesis that you're saying right there. Let's see if that happens. definitely man definitely we will see we will see so any last thoughts on raw before we cap it off because we pretty much went through everything that had happened on the show what are your thoughts once again i thought bray Wyatt was the star of the show and i love and shout out to seth man you know what i'm saying that what what i want in this storytelling that that uh bray Wyatt would leave like a, a imprint on seth and that's what i'm seeing right now for the second week in a row we see him freaking out again over the fiend and i'm digging this right now i'm all i'm all dived into this story right now and i like that uh one other thing i like the aop segment i know we didn't really talk about it i don't know how you was feeling that i love i I digged it i loved it i keep it real i like how they said you know hey all these tag team weeks we're gonna prove it right now and they just got silent real quick stepped outside whooped somebody ass and went right back in the right went right back it sat right back down, so I thought it was great. I mean, it, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> Why you hate, man? Why you hate, dude? I swear, we go, we go, we go debate this. <laughs> One of these episodes, it's coming. It's good. It's oh, gonna man. boil to that point. <laughs> I mean, again, I, 
I don't know if you will get me to debate them too much. We did we did debate them last week. You know, we, we went back and forth a little bit on it, but I, I just don't – I don't know. I feel like they're not even worth debating for me, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to get there with you. I'm, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for their evolution. I'm still waiting for them to change. I'm still waiting for them to do something that's a little bit more interesting. And it, it's a start to have them speak and have – you know, put the mic in front of them and uh, you know, have them have segments, you know, without any kind of manager or anything. So that's the beginning. They're just not there yet, and I'm not there with them yet. So you know, it, it, it'll take time. Eventually, maybe they'll they'll win me over. But right now, eh, they're, they're okay. They're okay. All right. Well, I, I feel it right now. I feel it in the air that it is what happened. We we have had odd debates before. I don't see a reason why this would be the exception. Yeah, I mean, so you know how I feel about Jinder Mahal, and like I wasn't really, you know, feeling yeah. him at all during his yeah. title reign. I feel like Jinder Mahal did a better job than AOP has ever done. So that just goes to show you how I'm I feel about I'm just saying, AOP. give it time. Like, no, and I'm there too. Like how I went for Jinder, like I was like, what? I was like at first, I wasn't like, man, I wasn't digging it at first, but over time, I think it worked. I was feeling the that Martin Day, the modern day Maharaja. All right, now we got AOP. I'm digging what they're doing right now. They're saying what they uh saying what they mean. Yeah, so and again, with me, again, full disclosure for those who don't follow like how, you know, our our opinions change or don't change. Uh my opinion never changed on gender. I, I never really thought <laughs> his title reign was great. I was I was upset every time he had a title match and he won. Uh, um I was real pissed off him being Shinsuke Nakamura, who's one of my favorite wrestlers. It just didn't make any sense to me. He was a smart uh, heel, I'm just saying. Monday Maharaja, bro. Okay. That king of strong style yeah. losing to gender Mahal. He had the numbers game with the same brothers. Okay. Three why M- not? I'm just saying, I'm just stating facts. You can't disagree with the facts. Mm, worst part of 3MB <laughs> was the WWE champion. He beat Shinsuke Nakamura. I don't hear you disagreeing with facts, though. I'm just saying. I, I'm completely disagreeing with facts. <laughs> but that, we, we're going to cap this show right here. I'm going into it too deep. I am disagreeing on gender and on AOP. But, you know, to be continued with, uh, with AOP. Gender, I mean, hey, where's gender now? That's all I got to say. Where is gender now? Yeah, he might show up on NXT. You never know. Facts. <laughs> he is not around. He's invisible. He's not here. Facts. All right. So I'm gonna let you. Any any last words? I won't just cut you off right there. No, it's yeah, all yeah. good, man. I, I let you just mark my words, man. Gender will make a comeback. I say that. Oh man. Yeah, twenty four seven championship. That that's perfect. That's perfect for him. Just just be funny. Try to be funny, gender, if you can. All right, that's gonna cap it for the raw recap for this week. Uh, I am a feast. Uh, with me as always with Devin. We will catch you guys next time. Peace. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Clark Street Wrestling Podcast.